And it's looking like an evening kickoff. We are live. Favorite BRB sports correspondents coming to you with another episode of the Play On Podcast. Most gracious host, Cal Sirius. And joining me today is a man like... Man like Ash. What's going on? How you doing today, sir? Yeah, I'm good, man. Um, Yeah, this late kickoff. Um, it feels like a Champions League game. <laughs> well, if we're talking about Arsenal, you'd have to play the music with the recorder. <laughs> Just start beatboxing something, boy, because there ain't no Champions League music for us. <laughs> Any official Champions League anthem. But what we are getting is an official win against our arch rivals, Tottenham Hotspurs. That's the good thing about today. Because we are coming to you from a place of just, I don't even know how to describe, man. Just pure glory. It's glorious. It's a glorious day. Yeah, North London is red. Um, It's a good look. It's a good look. And as someone who's been a a harsh critic of Arteta, um, this is a big result. So, yeah, fair fair play to him. It it really is. Uh, Shout out to our other co-hosts. I've actually not heard from Ryan in a while, so I should probably holler at him because I don't know what's going on in his life right now. Um, and, uh, of course, Ben has his family commitment. Shout out to Ben, uh, raising a young princess over there. Come um, on. Yeah, man. She might be the next, uh, the, one of the next leaders of the country, for we know. She could be the next prime minister, you know, the next uh, Theresa May or something like that. So, yeah, he's got hasn't he? I reckon she'll be better than our current leader right now. <laughs> hundred percent, hundred. She's uh, she's definitely gonna have some good guidance to to make her, to to steer her in the right direction. Oh, one hundred. Um, and uh, yeah, so so here we are today after a weekend of football that has been quite eventful. For those that play fantasy Premier League, you guys will know exactly what I mean when I say it's been eventful, because things didn't go according to plan. Um, my score has been absolutely terrible. Like I'm, mm. I'm literally in the toilet with my score right now. It's been a couple of weeks of back-to-back poor results for me. Uh, Ash, last time I checked the table, you were doing quite well. Um, I don't think any of the BRB team have really had anything to shout about. There's some strong competition in our league at the moment. But um, I, I thought you was you were doing quite well last time I checked. Yeah, I done my work card last last week. I got 80 points, which was good. Um, a couple of people who so what happened is when the when the deadline went I saw the prices of two players and I was like I couldn't get them in this week and not take a hit so I waited to have a, to have two free transfers and I brought in Emil Smith-Rowe and Mikel Antonio for the next game week obviously both have done very well this game week so hopefully they can continue that form but yeah I'm, I'm doing okay I've got one more person to play tomorrow Hopefully they do well and then we just kind of like take it from there. But yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right this season. Go on, go on. Um, I've just checked uh, and seen you both, you and Ben are in seventh and eighth place. So doing well for the yeah. BRB team there. Uh, Jay, one of our um, contributors. Yeah, he's, he's doing bits. Yeah, he's, he's doing pretty well. He's in the top five, uh, specifically in the fourth place. He's in the Champions League spot. Um, yeah, but, Champions uh, League theme today. it's it's, it's not going to be easy for us to to get in there because there's a bit of a gap between fourth and fifth 
Um, and uh, yeah, it's not it's not looking good for me. I'm going to have to use my wild card. I think I've got about five or six players that I want to get in my team. So I think that means it's wild card time for me. Oh, 100%. I'm, I'm literally mid table in 21st place out of 37 teams. So yeah, something's got to change. No, you'll be there. You'll get there. You're good. You always, I think, once the season kicks in, you tend to get some more momentum going. So I'm sure you're going to fly up the table. Yeah, slow start, kind of like Spurs, I suppose, uh, which is a horrible comparison to make. But <laughs> what are you going to do? Anyway, back to the, the actual Premier League. We've had Chelsea versus Manchester City, the, the big name teams. That is the top of the table clash of this weekend. Now, Chelsea have had a strong run of results. So Manchester City, maybe with City you would have thought with them signing Grealish, things worked out a bit differently. Maybe you would have thought they would have been dominating a bit more. I don't know. And with Chelsea signing Lukaku, you know, he started off brightly and, and maybe you would have thought he would have carried on the way that he started and Maybe the, the goals haven't quite been going into the back of the net. Now, when they've met in this this top of the table clash over here, I don't know, but me personally, I thought that maybe it might be a bit more of an exciting game of football. I watched the first half and I was underwhelmed. But then in the second half, wow, it, it seemed like they both just stepped it up a notch and we got some brilliant pieces of football. It was only 1-0 in the end. Um, but it could have been more. It was a it was a nice little finish from Gabriel Jesus. A little bit of fortune, but it was some good footwork, and he was surrounded by blue shirts, and he just kind of squeezed the ball in via a deflection. Um, but yeah, Grealish came close with a lovely shot, and uh, there was other moments from City where you thought, wow, they might just score. Uh, I, I mean, what did you make of this game? So I'm gonna. To, to review this game, I'm going to go back to last season first because um, when Tuch- when Tuchel came into the um, into the league, they ended up having three pretty big games last year. So there was the game where I think Man City could have won the league, um, where they were one 0 up, and then Chelsea came back to beat them two one. We then had the semi final of the FA Cup where um, Tuchel managed to get Chelsea with a one 0 win, and then obviously we had the Champions League final um, where again it was another one 0 win. So kind of going into this game, these games between these two are normally very, very close. They're very, very tactical. So for like for the for the general football fan as a spectacle, this game's not going to give you like lots of goals, lots of chances. But if you're like a bit of a football aficionado, you're going to love it. And I think what was really interesting is I think this is the first time where I think Tichel kind of over like overfought it too much. So obviously he's played his normal formation of like three at the back. But instead of doing that kind of like the two holding midfielders, having the wing backs quite high up and then the two off of Lukaku, he played a flat three with Kovacic, Jorginho and Kante, who are like three exceptional central midfielders and then played Werner and Lukaku up top. So essentially it's like a three, five, two. The issue that I found with Chelsea is that they didn't really have any creativity in the middle of like to link the three central midfielders and then the strikers. So it was all about getting wide, whipping balls in. Like, Werner is just a runner. Like, he's got no real creativity about him. So what was happening is they were hitting Lukaku. It was a battle, and then they was hoping that there were scraps off of them. It wasn't maybe until 
um, Havertz came on. I think they also brought in that Loftus Cheek that they saw a little bit more creativity in that in that area. But I think Man City thoroughly deserved to win this. And what's happened is as well, I think a few people were saying that Tuchel had Pep's number. Um, and I think one of the most interesting things is, again, going back to the Champions League final, he didn't start Rodri. Now, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that there was a stage where I was quite a big critic of Rodri and I've slightly changed my mind based off of his performances last year. I thought yesterday he was absolutely outstanding. The The strongest part of Chelsea's team is that midfield three or the midfield two, depending on if it's either Kovacic, Kante or Jorginho. And what Rodri did, is he just gave them a, a great anchor to not allow those three to get any kind of real command in the middle of the park. And he set off a lot of the attacks that eventually wore Chelsea down. So there was a lot of stuff where it was him, especially going over to Grealish's side and getting like lots of like overlaps. And another shout out to Cancelo as well, who got the assist for the goal, but was just excellent. So Rodri, kind of Grealish and Cancelo as a bit of a free from the centre to the left really gave um, Man City a base to be able to kind of like build that win. And I think in a couple of the games that he's played against Tuchel so far, Guardiola hasn't really had that base. And I think, um, yeah, I think it was a, a great performance. And I just want to really identify Rodri as the main reason why I think um, Man City were able to get the 1-0 win yesterday. Very strong player for City, Rodri there. Um, no love for the out-of-form Kevin De Bruyne there, Ash? No, I think he's just come back. So I think he had a good game. I saw him give the ball away quite a bit. I, I, the thing with Kevin, Kevin De Bruyne is he's set such a high standard that everyone expects him to have like a... like an amazing game every week. He's just come back in. Like I said, the strongest part of Chelsea's team are the three midfielders. If you've got Kovacic, Kante and even Jorginho around you, it's going to be hard to really have an amazing game. And I actually feel that sometimes you have to just respect those who are there to stop, to plug holes, rather than those who kind of create because you need both of them to be able to win games. And the Bruyne was okay. He's finding he's finding form again. But I definitely feel like the likes of Rodri, Bernardo Silva as well were just excellent. And they actually really gave um, City the foundation to win the game. Yeah, personally, I want to shout out Bernardo Silva. Mm. He's a player that we know for going forward and being brilliant with his passing and his skills and his attacking play. But not necessarily one we associate with the defensive work, reading mm. the play, making interceptions, putting tackles. And he did that against He was needed to do that against Chelsea because they're yeah. pretty much strong in the field, as you say. And there was one moment where I noticed he put in a, a last-ditch sliding challenge to intercept. the. It was brilliant like Rodri would have been proud of that so yeah 100 yeah shout out to Bernardo for that I do think maybe uh, you've been a, a little bit harsh on Werner because we know he's not no, the bro. most creative player we know we know he's not a good goal scorer but mm. I do think that he offers something when it comes to getting into the flank and being a runner just getting the ball and driving and being able to whip in crosses and I thought he whipped in one or two dangerous crosses where you know if things maybe worked out a little bit differently, somebody could have got on the end of one of those crosses and put the ball in the back of the net. I think with him, like I said, he is a runner and that is it. Like, he literally reminds me of Road Run. Like, me, me. Like, that's <laughs> that's how I see him. There's a couple of players like that. Dan James is a bit like that as well. Like, I just see them as just proper road runners. I think, I think for that game, you need a little bit of artistry and... If you look at the people who have scored in those games, so for instance, Ziyech scored in the semi-final, Havertz scored in the final. Um, like, they're that kind of the more, like, cute, technically gifted creators. 
that actually kind of can arrive late. Whereas with him, you kind of know what he's going to do. So I think too, like too, too cool missed a major opportunity to win again by not playing one of those two players who have obviously come up with the goods in previous games. Would love to know your thoughts on the overall idea of what Pep is doing with kind of having this false nine at Man City. So mm. on paper, you've got Phil Foden as the furthest player forward. But when the game starts, they kind of rotate. Sometimes Grealish is up front. Sometimes Jesus is up front. The water players just kind of rotate into different positions. It's almost like a total football style of play they've got going on there. But does it really work? And will they benefit more from having, say, like a Harry Kane, a, a kind of, you know, uh, well, well-renowned number nine? Mm, their best performances last year was obviously when I think Gundogan played and he was a bit of a runner. Um, and then they had, yeah, they had Maros on one side. It's really weird because even someone like, if you're going to play a false nine, you'd think that, that someone like Sterling then would get even more game time because of how, like, the amount of runs he makes, how he can kind of start as a winger and become, like, get into, like, pockets to score goals. But they've actually really changed it. They've, they've put like a creative player in Grealish out there. They've actually moved Gabriel Jesus, who we know as a nine, to wide right. And then they've put a creative midfielder in the false nine position. Um, the one thing with Guardiola is he'll always try something. And I've been a critic of him saying that sometimes he's tried too much. Um, but so far, it seems to be working. I think they had a bit of a slow start last year as well. They obviously lost on the opening day of the season to, to Tottenham. They, they they didn't beat Southampton last week, but to go to Chelsea, who were my title favourites, and <coughs> then... Excuse me, he, did you not flip-flop and change your title favourites there, Ash? No, that's what I'm saying. So initially I thought it was City, but then for the last three or four weeks, I said that Chelsea are the title favourites. I still right. kind of, I still back Chelsea to, right. like, to right. do I, it. I, I, I kind of I want you to stick with your original shout because I was the first one to say Chelsea. I was the I was. Oh the yeah, no, 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 bro. Trust me, like, yeah, get me. This ain't, this ain't, yeah, like, no, you, you definitely said Chelsea first, but and I changed my mind. I'm still going to stick with Chelsea, but I think what we've seen from Man City is um, a real signal of intent and that. They are going to be there. They're still going to score lots of goals. Um, and yeah, they just they they are still the team to beat as the reigning champions. All right. Uh, six games played. Liverpool top of the league with 14. City second with 13. Chelsea third with 13 points. And Manchester United and Everton both on 13 points too. It is looking very tight at the top. Um, talking about Manchester United, they played Aston Villa. Mm. Um, did you get a chance to watch any of that game, Ash? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think Villa were a good value for their for their win, to be honest. Um, there were a couple of situations where I think Mason Greenwood, a player who we all like, rate very highly, could have made better decisions. Um, but no, Villa were really good. They create some good chances. Target should have scored in the first half. Um, they seem to attack really, really well. Um, again, we're talking about a good midfield base, so... When you've got like John McGinn and you've got um, Douglas Luis as two of your three midfielders, like if they play well, you're gonna have a good game in midfield. Like you're gonna do well. Um, they both had very good games. I think the fullbacks of Cash and Target played very well, and then they've now gone to three centre backs um, with one of those centre backs scoring. Like, and what's crazy is he's only probably playing because Axel Twanzebi can't play against his parent club because he's on loan. Mm, yeah. So actually, House wouldn't have played normally. Um, but now after scoring a great goal, 
That was a great finish, wasn't it? it was a great finish. Great, wow. great finish. But what was crazy is that was only the start of the drama. So obviously in the 93rd minute, United got their <laughs> United got their gift of a penalty. I mean, it, it was a penalty, but it's just it's amazing how United can get these 93 like minute, 93rd minute penalties so regularly like i don't know any other team funny that bro it's, it's crazy like back in the day it used to be the fergie tax right just leaning on on the referee but now it's the spirit of fergie but <laughs> it must be the spirit of fergie and the spirit lives on and uh and it was bruno fernandez who stepped up to take this is something that football fans have all been excited to see mm. what's gonna happen when Manchester United get a penalty, because you just signed Cristiano Ronaldo, who's known as something of a penalty merchant, and you've also got Bruno Fernandes, who's known as a penalty mer- merchant. Some people call him Penaldo. Some people call him Fernandes. Fernandes stepped up to take the penalty, and he missed. By a lot. Wow. By I mean, lot. What, what, what is going on there, Ash? What, what do you make of that? I think... Listen... Players miss penalties, right? I think he scored something like 36 out of his last 39, which is a great record. Um, we saw in the Euros how easy it is to miss penalties and, and, and the ramifications of those, right? So he just he just missed the penalty. It's a shame. What Did I you was see all- the fracas with um Martinez, with Martinez in the build-up to him taking the penalty? <laughs> yeah, do, it was do, you think, do you think maybe what happened there is Emmy kind of psyched him out and put him off? Um it's difficult because there was quite a long wait for him to take the penalty. And obviously, Emi Martinez was playing at Ronaldo saying, I want you to take it. You put the ball down. You take it. You take it. Um, so maybe. May I mean, I've never, ever seen Bruno Fernandes blast a penalty over. I've seen him kind of miss them and have them saved. But he's never missed the target by that much. And remember, he's a very good striker of the ball. Like He's he already is. scored some great goals in open play this season. So for him to hit a penalty like that, is interesting. I suppose the big, the bigger thing for me in that game is just play. I, it's a weird one. I've just spoken about how good Villa's midfield are in terms of like Douglas, um, Douglas Louise and um, McGinn. But the the idea of playing Fred and McTominay at home and you have the likes of Lingard or Sancho on the bench, like it just felt that. It felt a bit too safe for United. Like obviously United have had some great um, wins at home already this season. It just felt a little bit safe from United to to have to maybe not have kicked on the way that they should have and actually gone out and like really stamped their authority on the game. So you think maybe yeah. Pogba should have been in a midfield, deeper midfield role with one of the the two attackers you mentioned. So I think I think. We spoke about it before. I, I like Pogba in the overload, but I think you've got to think think about who's playing there. So if you're playing against the five and there's three in there, there isn't there, 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 there then isn't an overload because there'll be one of the centre-backs can step up and then before you know it, you've got four players in the central area. So if you're playing against a, a back four, then you'll have the overload because there'll be two or three in the midfield and you're not going to get a centre-back to step out. Does that make sense? But if you've got five at the back and then they play three, if a centre back steps out into midfield, then there's no overload. So you so you almost basically like Pogba becomes null and void. So I think again you have to look at the formation you're playing for it to kind of work. And it kind of it kind of sounds like what you're saying is Dean Smith kind of outsmarted, outwitted Ole Gunnar Solskjaer with the, f- the formation and tactics, really. 
Yeah, fair, fair. I mean, he did play. He did play the three against um, Everton the week before, and they won three nil. Um, so two excellent, excellent um, wins for Villa. Um, I'm going to give a quick shout out to my boy Triggs. Um, I know he's going to be listening into this, and he's a massive Villa fan. We're going to get him on very soon as well. Um, but yeah, like nice. It's, it's it's a great it's a great result for Villa, and actually, it's given them after what was probably a little bit of a shaky start. It wasn't the cleanest start considering the games they had two massive results and yeah yeah they look good they look good another great result would be Everton against Norwich City that's three wins out of their last five games for Everton under the new coach Rafa Benitez not looking good for Norwich that is Mm. five consecutive defeats for them (gasps) excuse me um I've heard a lot of people I've been I've been sort of talking to people about Andros Townsend and people are saying, you know, he's looking like a, a rotation risk. I wouldn't want to put him in my FPL team and stuff like that. But, you know, it seems like he's on penalty duty. He stepped up and took a penalty against Norwich. You've got um, Damara Gray, the new boy. Well, both of them new boys, Townsend and Gray. Uh, playing in a, in a slightly different position against Norwich there. I think maybe Benitez was thinking these guys are like the basement boys. We just kind of want to run at him and then just attack him. And he added Wolby on one side, Townsend on the other. Gray in behind, Rondon, uh, DCL obviously out. DCL and uh, Richardson are both unavailable. Mm. And then Decora bombing forward from midfield, getting goals mm. from midfield. Is that going to be sustainable? Do you think Decora could be a player that can continue to score goals from midfield forever in this season? He scored a few for Watford when he was there. And obviously, when he came in on Ancelotti, they changed his role slightly. Definitely, I think he's a very good player. I think there was a stage where I think I looked at him for Arsenal saying, you know what, I think he could do a job for us, if I'm honest. Um, Ooh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I think what I would say with the Corey is, though, I think as good as the Corey has been, he's allowed to do that because um, Alan is doing such a good job, like plugging holes, mopping up. And I don't want to just only be speaking about like defensive midfielders today, but I always, uh, uh, you have to have the right foundation to be able to let your players play. So as good as the Corey is doing, there still has to be some acknowledgement for Allen and the system to be able to do him as well, to, to, to be able to help him to do that. I think um, obviously they're missing probably their two best front men in Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison. So for them to be on 13 points, um, it's a very, very good start to the season for Everton. I mean, that one defeat against Aston Villa was just the blip. Um, they've done, they've done well this season, and yeah. yeah. I'm a huge uh, Rafa Benitez fan myself. I like the way he sets his team up to defend, and I do think you know if you're playing somebody like Godfrey at right back, that's just going to help mm. to give you that extra defensive presence there. So yeah, uh, big up to Rafa Benitez. Um, onwards to another result. We're talking Leeds versus West Ham United. Now, me personally, I looked at this fixture and I was really excited about this game Mm. because, um, you know, Leeds is like, you know, it's one of my unofficial kind of seconds. You know, everyone kind of has that unofficial second team that they really like to watch. Leeds is one of my my teams that I like to really watch. And they're going up against West Ham, who is one of the informed teams in the league at the moment. you know, they've been scoring a lot of goals. They've got a really good attacking way about them. And it's two attacking teams coming together here. Lots of flair, lots of skill with the likes of uh, Rafinha and uh, Benrama. But it was Antonio 
that popped up again with a goal after he um, he missed out in the previous game with a suspension. Um, Rafinha coming in off the wing and scoring a lovely goal as he does from time to time. Mm. I am starting to think this guy is really becoming like one of the best wingers in the Premier League. Yeah, definitely. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it's. It's upwards and onwards for West Ham. You'd think maybe from here, West Ham could push on. Um, but then with Leeds United, when you look at their position in the table, they're 18th in the league right now. Do you think maybe they should be doing better? Oh, definitely. I think, listen, Leeds have um, some really good like, attacking talent. I think Harrison had a really good season last year and obviously he's made his move permanent. They've bought Dan James, who he's not Man United's level, but I think he can definitely have an impact at lead. Um, Leeds. Patrick Bamford is a good, good striker. I proved that last year. And Rafinha is probably my favourite player outside of the top six teams. If we, if we include Arsenal in the top six teams. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I genuinely think that he's just, he's, he's, he's great. He's great. He's great to watch. Um, he's always creative. He's looking for a forward pass. Like he commits his, he commits his thing. I'm, I'm. Listen, I, I feel like I talk about him every week, so I'm not going to say too much. But yeah, he's a, he's a great player. But um, yeah, I think I think this was a game that I had down as both teams will score, and it was just a given. Um, even when, even though West Ham scored quite late, the amount of chances they created, you knew they were going to score. And I think Melier, the Leeds goalkeeper, had a very good game to actually only concede two. Um. I kind of felt a bit sorry for Rafinha because at one stage I felt like he was just doing it by himself and they really did miss Bamford and I think they're actually missing Harrison um, as well as missing Alioski who um, had a good like relationship with Harrison and it was just a bit more settled. I think they just need to get the back four settled. They need to work out what they're going to do in the midfield and once they get one win, I think they'll go on a little bit of a run and be okay. So they're 18th now but I don't have any worries about Leeds going down. Hmm. You mentioned Decora as a player who could potentially play for Arsenal. Do you think Calvin Phillips could play for Arsenal? Um, I think now that we've got Thomas Partey, I wouldn't potentially have both of them in there. Um, but I suppose... Phillips versus Xhaka. If, you, if you're saying it like that, then, then I think, of course, Calvin Phillips has a, a great chance. I just think... The way, obviously, we'll get onto our game later on. The way we're playing now is we've got Thomas Partey at the base, almost like as our DM, but like a a, a foot, like a, a playing DM. Mm-hmm. He's almost like a deep line playmaker at times. Quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And I think Calvin Phillips does that. Um, he can play a bit further forward. So again, for England, I think Declan Rice sat, and then Calvin Phillips was the one who was kind of moving up the field, going to get the press. I think he could, could be considered. He's not. I wouldn't race to get him. I think there's a different profile of player I'd rather get to, to play next to Thomas Partey. Um, but I think he's he's a de- I think he's a decent player. Yeah, decent player. Um, okay, so a good win for West Ham. Um, I do like the way Antonio's playing. Now. He's looking like he's going to be a Jamaican international. Yeah, he is. He's, he, I think he's played in a couple of their games already. So yeah, he's officially played now. Okay, go on, Reggae boys. A full. A full-blown international player. It's been a good journey for Antonio. He's worked his way up. Oh, I'm quite happy to see him playing international football now. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that was one of the more interesting matches of this weekend. Another one that turned out to be quite an interesting match was 
Leicester versus Burnley. So I didn't watch this one myself. I'm not sure if you watched it yourself. Yeah, it went off. It went off. <laughs> what what score would you have predicted before this game? I would have, I would have predicted that three one to three one to uh, Leicester. Oh wow, that that big of a score. Yeah, no, Leicester let's have a very good record against Burnley and especially Jamie Vardy. So I think Jamie Vardy scored I think last year it was three 0 I think every single time they've been at home, Jamie Vardy has scored. So what was crazy is Jamie Vardy scored three goals yesterday, just only two of them were in the right net and one of them was an own goal. Um so that's the reason why it wasn't three one. It was two two and um they got this new wing, I can't remember his name, but he scored a really good goal. Um Oh, what's his name again? Oh, I can't remember what his name is. But yeah, he scored he scored like a very, very good goal. Um Oh, the Ivorian. Yeah, hold on, let me bring it up. And that was um, his first goal, Cornet. Yeah, that's it, Cornet. Cornet, yeah. Cornet. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Cornet's his name. I don't, um, I don't see I don't see an accent over the E, but maybe it is a silent T. Oh we call him what 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 Cornetto, yeah? <laughs> Cornet, mate. It's just Cornet, isn't it? Cornet. Um I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna add a little accent to it. So Cornet. <laughs> um, no, it was a really good goal. But then he went off injured. And what was actually again, what was quite interesting about that is he was giving um Pereira quite a hard time. Um Pereira's a fullback who really, really rated before his knee injury. I think he was probably arguably the most complete fullback in the league. Um that and that is including Trent Alexander well, complete right back in the league. That was including Trent because I think he had he was able to go forward, do really, really well, but then was a lot strong, a lot more stronger defensively. Um obviously Trent's game has improved over time. But a couple of years ago, like Ricardo Pereira was an exceptional fullback. And I feel like the injury may have like slightly affected him. I've seen good performances, but I haven't seen the same consistency that he had before the injury. And Corn and Cornet was giving him Quite the quite like quite the time before he went off. So um, it's it's weird because Wood had a goal um, ruled out right at the end of the game as well, which would have been a big win for Burnley considering um, their start to the season. Um, it hasn't been as good as probably they expected it to be. Um, they have really struggled, probably more so than they ever thought they would do, just because um, they normally do a right. But then at the same time, I think we've been here a couple of times with um, Sean Dyche's team. Once they again, they, similar to Leeds, once they get that one win, they can churn out a couple, and then before you know it, they're thirteenth, fourteenth, pretty safe, and just seeing the season out. So, yeah, let's see, let's see what happens in the next few games for um, um for Burnley. So here's a question that all FPL managers want to know the answer to: mm-hmm. Is Vardy back? Did he ever go? Really? I listen. I know. I know his output dropped off towards the end of the season when they were playing Ian Atro. Mm. Um, and I think naturally, but then what was interesting then is Vardy stopped scoring, but he was still getting assists. So um, now obviously he's the focal point of the attack. It's a lot easier for him to score goals. Um, so if you talk about Vardy, the goal scorer being back, yes, we've seen that. But if you talk about Vardy being the good all-round team player for Leicester, he's never gone away. There you go. I think Brendan Rodgers was quoted as saying, I want my Vardy back. Um, as the reason as to why you know he didn't continue playing Ayanacho in the more advanced position and why he's kind of stuck with Vardy and it seems like his confidence in his main man has been repaid two goals for Vardy this weekend um, so swiftly moving on we've got Watford versus Newcastle this uh, when I saw this picture, I just kind of thought, man, you know, man, 
whatever. Maybe Saul might grab a goal. Maybe Saint Maximin might grab a goal. But it wasn't something I was really looking forward to so much. Um, how about yourself? Did, did you share my sentiments, Ash, or, or have you got a completely different opinion? You know what? Um, I didn't really look too much. I've seen the goals of this game. I haven't really paid too much attention to it. Um, yeah, like decent goal from Saar. I think um, very good goal from Longstaff as well against that. So Sam Maximum got the assist for that. Saar got the goal. Um, yeah, it was it was just a bit of a nothing game really. Like I feel like Newcastle after going up maybe should have seen it out. Um, Watford seemed to have found the, like some goals recently. So. Yeah, I don't really have much to say on it. It's just like just a decent one-all draw. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just another point in the plus coming for both for, like for both players. I think, it's a, I think it's a good point for Newcastle considering the run they've been on of late. So um, I, think they need to, I, think they both need, I think they need a win urgently. But yeah, it's not a bad point for Newcastle. I, I think from what I saw, I only saw the highlights, but I think Newcastle played quite well in that game. Mm. And um, Delphi were unlucky to not have the three points. Mm. But if they keep playing like that, they should be okay. Yeah, because I'm looking at them. Like, they're one of five teams that are yet to register a win. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it is difficult, man. Like, you like you need your first win. Like, you, like, once you get your first win, the whole season feels different. Like, look at, again, look at Arsenal. Once we got one, we've gone on to get two more since then. So, it's really important to get that first win ASAP. And also, they don't have their main striker, do they? So, with Wilson... Wilson will make a huge difference. Yeah, yeah you'd expect them difference. to struggle. And I do think um, the fact that they haven't got a win and they're not in the in the bottom three, that actually says something. It says that they're, you know, they're able to do something without their main striker. And when he comes back, they should be all right. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, shout out to Saar. Uh, one that's on my radar. I might have to put him into my uh, FPL team. Um, someone who is in my FPL team is Mo Salah at Liverpool you have to have him the man just keeps scoring goals um, and when I saw this fixture I kind of thought Brentford like the new boys they've come up in a, in a similar way to how Leeds came up last season they play an attacking football they're looking really tough to beat um, and I kind of thought this game against Liverpool I don't really know how it's going to work out and it was a 3-3 thriller in the end. Absolutely amazing. What I really like about Liverpool is how they've kind of changed their style of play. So last season, we were seeing a lot of Salah sort of tucking in and playing kind of like as a central striker with Alexander-Arnold bombing down the wing and whipping in crosses. But now we're kind of seeing... Alexander Arnold coming into to almost like a centre midfield role, and they started um, with the young player in midfield, didn't they? Um, who kind of drifted out to the wing and mm. kind of played right midfield more. Uh, I think that's kind of like naturally his game. Like he can play right wing and he can play. Curtis right Jones, yeah. Not Curtis Jones. No. But there was a new young player that. They oh, Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott. Yeah, and then Harvey Elliott. Injured, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now they've brought in Henderson. And uh, when I when I saw this game against Brentford, it seemed like Henderson was doing a similar thing. So it, I, I, I kind of think it's their new way of playing now that they have Alexander-Arnold coming into centre midfield and then the centre midfielder moves out to the right. And, you know, with Diogo Jota now kind of being as a number nine, Salah kind of stays hovering in that 
mm. bright wing forward kind of area. So it's like they changed their game, but I think they're actually playing a bit better than they did last season. They're creating a hell of a lot of chances and scoring a hell of a lot of goals. I think it's working out really well for them. Do you think do you think Virgil being back helps that as well? I mean, of course, a player like Virgil van Dijk is just going to shore up your defence. Um, we saw last season when he was injured, Gomez was injured, Allison was injured. It, it was it was a nightmare for him. But you know they've got their players back. Matip, I think, is 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 definitely one of their best defenders as well. Mm. Um, so he needs credit credit for being solid. And 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 that whole back four with Robertson and Alexander Arnold, you know, they're one of the best defenses in the league. So, but to concede three goals. You have to credit Brentford. Um, yeah. You know, the way that this Ivan Tony's come into the league and set it alight. And I think he surprised me because I wasn't someone that watched him last season and knew about his game. So it was a pleasant surprise to see how much tech the man has got because he kind of kind of looks like he might just be like a target man, like they're just pumping long balls up into him. But this guy can play football. He's got all the little tricks and the flicks and he's got a good awareness of his teammates around him and how to play other people into the game. He can pull out wide and do wing play. He seems like he's, he's multifaceted. Mm. And, he's, yeah, and, yeah. and most importantly, he's putting the ball in the back of the net too. She can't, yeah. Um, what, what I think I liked about just the game and just because I think you summed up great was I just like the bravery of Brentford. It would have been really easy to just be like, we had a good start. It's 2-1. Let's just see it out and try. But they kept going for New- for Liverpool. They kept going, kept going. And they got their, they got, they, they got their rewards. Like, I think he took off a midfielder to, to throw in an extra striker. Like, the manager was like, we can get something from this game. So, like, fair credit to him to kind of continue to be on the front foot against a team that is devastating on the counter. Mm, I think this is going to be a fruitful season for Brentford. We do like to see uh, teams come up and be fearless. And, you know, when Norwich came up and they were fierce, we loved it. Um, yeah, shout out to Brentford, like currently mid-table. Been a great start for them. Um, moving on, we have Southampton versus Wolves. Now, there's been this this ridiculous news <laughs> and I mean that in the most positive way that Wolves, Wolverhampton have created their own record label I mean never in the history of football I mean I can only talk about it since I've been alive and since I've been watching football but it, it feels like never in the history of football has a football club had a record label and Wolves are the, the, the first ones to do this they, they've created a record label They've got um, a partnership with Warner, um, one of the biggest record labels, and they're going to be pushing out talent. They're looking for local artists. They're looking for national artists. I mean, we could do a mixtape and, you know, we could do a demo. We could send that to Wolves Records, Ash. We could. I, I was going to say, like, they, look, me. they must be looking at, like, JK and Mist. Maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. That, that, I mean, it seems like the drill kind of artist are what's really popping right now so I'm sure we're going to see a few drill artists coming through Wolves Records um, I, I just think this is exciting I'm, I'm really excited to see what's going to happen apparently there's a uh, a, a, a Wolves fan and, and Wolves Foundation ambassador called XX SX who's involved in the production um, so 
Yeah, and he's worked with a lot of big names. He's worked with the likes of Lil Wayne and J. Cole and Chance the Rapper. So, yeah, I mean, if if they've got production like that, hey, man. That's crazy. Hey, let's see what's going to happen. This could be an exciting record label. Not just a record label, but an exciting one, too. Um, Well, on to the football. They've gone away to Southampton and they've got a cheeky result. And it is the main man. I think this is a story that we're all going to love to see. Um, after his horrific injury, you know, he, he's, he's come back and he's scored um, after going close. I think last weekend he had this opportunity where that was a, that was just a, a typical signature Raul Jimenez goal. Just nod it in, bang. And he missed mm. it. And then he kind of took off his, his his little protective headband and like in disgust. <laughs> like, how the hell did I miss that? And he he's come back in the next game with with a lovely bit of footwork and he's tucked one in. And I I just couldn't be happier for him. Yeah, no, hundred percent. But that story was like I remember. I think I remember say on the podcast like watching it and hearing the fud. And I was like, I, yeah, that sounds really bad. So mm. for him to miss essentially the, the whole of last season, to have to kind of like build up the courage to even kind of come back. Yeah, he's wearing the head the, the, the head guard, but yeah. you never know when that could happen again. Or so he's back in the mix. And yes, yeah, it's, it's a great story. When I saw um, when I saw him and as a score, it, it was a really, really nice thing to see. Um and I hope this is the first of many goals for Jimenez again. I'm sure it will be. I like this new coach. Uh, I, I've never heard of Bruno. I don't know how you say it. Large, um, I think it's Lager. I want to put an R in the end and call him Bruno Lager. Lager. You know, uh, and I'll be rapping about his style. Um, but um, yeah, he, he's got his boys looking hard to beat. And interestingly, he's benched Traore, which is something I didn't think I'd see happen. Um, but They've got the win. Uh, Podence and, and Huang He Chan playing on the wing, helping them to get this win. So let's see what what happens because you know you know you kind of don't want to change a winning team. Maybe Traore is going to find himself out in the cold if if uh, this kind of form continues. Yeah, no. I think you're right. I think I think to be fair, he hasn't really been. He's been getting himself into play positions, but he hasn't been doing what's required. So yeah, take him out of the team and bring him back in when it's right. So we've got the final game of the weekend, not the football week. Um, Arsenal versus Tottenham. The last game, but not the least. The Battle of North London. Pride of London at stake. Arsenal ended up getting the result 3-1. Should have been 3-0. But, you know, could have been more than 3. Could have scored more. Um, wow, I mean, what, what a game. Just looking at the form... Arsenal have now put together four consecutive wins, um, including the uh, the cup win against uh, AFC Wimbledon, which is, I, I don't think any Arsenal fan, after the start we've had to the season, I don't think any Arsenal fan expects us to be in this position right now where we've got three Premier League wins and a bounce, four wins and a bounce in total, um, a team looking like it's full of confidence, goals coming from all over the pitch. What is going on, Ash? Um... So having been very critical of um, Arteta and the regime, um, I'm going to praise a recent sign-in, but I'm also going to praise 
um, someone coming back into the team and making a huge difference. So I think the first thing I want to say is um, that the the North London derby is slightly different. It's really weird because throughout the season I've been going into games. I've been like, oh, I don't know what Arsenal's going to turn up, but I just knew for the for the derby we'd be up for it. We that we'd be ready for it. So I didn't really have much worry about the performance today. I knew that it it, it would come, but I really really want to give um, Tomiyasu um, a big shout out. A big shout out. Um, I think he's been he's made a great start. I think he's physically he's been really really imposing. And listen, Hong Min San has killed us on so many occasions. Yeah, I know he scored again today, but that's the most ineffective I've seen him against us um, for a number of years. And I think Tomiyasu done an amazing job. Um, he's a front foot defender. He wants to squeeze up. He's very good in the air. He'll push you back because he likes he likes to bomb on. But also what I like about him is he's essentially like he's our like our third centre back. Mm. So what's happened there is Ben White is normally is used to playing in a three, right? In in some of the other games he was isolated like one on one a bit too much. But with Tomiyasu, because he's quite forward thinking and quite like on the front foot defending and he tucks in, it almost he's almost playing like a right centre back, but with license to go every now and then. The other centre back I really want to give praise to is Gabriel. I think since Gabriel's come back into the team, we look completely different. Mm. And again, I think Ben White, in terms of like the physicality, is the one thing that he lacks. But Tommy Asu and, and Gabriel, either side of him, just means we're we're much more physical. We're much more on the front foot. Like we're like we're a much more imposing back line, which then transmits all the way through the team. Like obviously Thomas Party sitting in now, our our, our fullbacks can push on a little bit whenever they need to. Then the people are playing wide. No, RK okay, cool. We've got a bit more protection now because we don't have to worry about certain things. It's just like Gabriel's integration back into the team to me has been the biggest reason why we won three games on the bounce. Um, only conceded one goal in our last four. Um, and yeah, I just really want to give some praise to him. Obviously, goals from Saka, Smith Rowe, and Abamyang were a big reason for the win. But I just really want to praise Gabriel. Um, and I think what Arteta has done is he's essentially said, this is my back four now. I'm going to stick with this back four. If you include Ramsdale, it's a back five. This is my first choice back five. I'm going to stick with it, see where it takes me. And for the last three and for the last three games, it's taken him to victory. So, yeah, green shoots, definitely green shoots after what was a very, very, very wiring start to the season. I don't want to, um, I don't want to, I, I want to make sure that everyone gets their flowers because all of the new signings have been brilliant. Odegaard has come in and, you know, and he's, he's tireless running. It's kind of infectious, kind of inspires other players to pull their socks up and, and join into the press like he's been doing. Um, I've seen a, an interview with Arteta where he said, you know, there's a difference between being told to do the pressing and then really doing the pressing. And he's highlighted Aubameyang for praise as someone who's really stepped up his efforts with closing down the opposition um, and helping us when it comes to kind of forcing the opposition into making errors and giving away the ball and helping us to win possession. Um, 
and then you know, like I say, the new signings. So technically, Odegaard's a new signing as well. Um, Tommy Asu, you highlighted already, but I do think Ramsdale is well deserving of praise because he's come in at a time when Leno's been a bit shaky, and I think that him coming in has given the team a, a bit of a lift, knowing that you know there's a. I don't. I don't want to dog. Leno a little bit, but he's made a few mistakes. He's been struggling with playing out of the back. And Ramsdale's coming and he looks so comfortable with being able to play the ball out of the back. And I think that's kind of helped his defence to have more confidence. And confidence is everything in football. You know, you know how it is. You're a footballer yourself. Mm. So I think with that addition of Ramsdale, Gabriel coming back from being injured, Ben White coming in, Tommy Asu coming in, and then you know, like you say, having Xhaka and Partey sitting in front of them so the fullbacks can bomb forward and know that, you know, they've got decent defensive players that can kind of cover them. It, it, it's just, it's given us license for our attacking mm. players to go forward and find space and, and not have to, and not have any worries, really. And we're seeing this beautiful football come back. It's been a while, but it's, it's back. I'll take a ball. And oh, wow, is that what we're doing, yeah? And, hey, man, hey, man, I'm just saying, when you see these youngsters come through the academy, for me, that is the most beautiful thing in football, to kind of build your own players, to have your own homegrown players come through. And in a game with such magnitude against the arch rivals, to see Saka and Smith-Rowe interchanging, setting each other up, scoring goals, and helping us to win. Oh, man, I just... I just it's just on top of the world. I don't really have the words, man. I'm just so happy. I'm so nah, proud. You had the words, so bro. You called it Artatable. <laughs> you That's had the it. words. It's Artatable. It's Artatable, <laughs> man. Um, I mean, to be honest with you, I do think that he's a good coach and there's been a lot of problems. Um, and you highlighted the fact that we've got a back five is good now. But I think we can go one step further and say we've got a first 11 because we've seen him chopping and changing his team a lot. But now we know exactly this is our defence, this is our midfield, this is our striker. I think everybody knows now. I think I think a fair point to be made is that he's now he's now put Abamyang where he needs to play. And I thought Abamyang's hold up play, the way he occupied the Spurs back line, um, was was excellent today. And I've I've had some worries about Abamyang as a central striker. Because sometimes I just feel like all he wants to do is the ball in behind and to run onto things. But I think his his play back his play back to goal today was was outstanding. So um, yeah, great win and yeah, let's see if, let's see let's see because I think our next game's um, Brighton away. If we could potentially get through this with four wins in this little block between international um, in the, in in an in international break, um, our t- our ball might be manager of the month. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, well, let's not say too much. Well, well, well. I mean, is there, is there any word to say for Spurs? Nuno's gone in there. Um, things haven't really gone according to plan. Um, Ramsdale pulled up some brilliant saves in that game. There was one from Lucas Moura where he hit the. the oh yeah, loops like, up. Dipping yeah, and, and well, it was a fingertip save. Like, literally should have been a goal, man. It was a fingertip save on Rams. That was a brilliant save. I've been so impressed with him since he's come in. I didn't actually think he was going to have this kind of an impact, but the man's been brilliant. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if he's genius or he's lucky. That save just looked so uncouth. And he kept the ball out, which is all a goalkeeper's got to do, right? 
and don't get me wrong like i'm seeing lots of passion i'm seeing lots of heart um very vocal just like happy to be there dot com in it like he seems just overdread to be playing at arsenal so yeah of course he is i don't wanna i don't i don't wanna rain on his parade too much but um yeah i still have my reservations and my worries about him but so far i think he's won every game he's played he's only conceded one goal out of four so oh there you go he's the good luck charm i, I think he deserves a nickname you might have to call him the new rambo um you can <laughs> <laughs> you can i'll um yeah we'll see but i think i think like you said we seem to have a bit of a of a of an 11 or at least let's like, say nine or ten names that we get we know we're definitely going to play there's definitely a formation that we're going to play so yeah let's just see how it plays out over the next few weeks Osprey's going to turn things around um i think spurs turn things around when harry kane turns things around i thought he was awful I think it was absolutely awful for the first 65 minutes of the game. I think he eventually like showed a little bit of class. Um, but yeah, he just seems, he seems since, since he's come back into the team, they seem to have struggled um, a bit more when he wasn't there is when they actually won the majority of their games. Um, so I think, I think he's the key to, to Spurs, uh, Spurs success this season. If he can get amongst the goals, start playing and contributing to, to the level that we know he can do, Spurs will be fine. But if he keeps playing at how he played today, then Spurs are in a lot of trouble. They are. Um, me personally, I'm really excited about Rambo and Tommy Caffrey coming into the team. Solidifying. Oh my. <laughs> solidifying the back line. It is, it is looking, it is looking great. I'm disappointed that we conceded a goal. So if any of you Arsenal guys are listening, hit the training ground. Working them drills, you know. Let's get those clean sheets back in. Let's get nah, them clean sheets back I believe in. you call him Tommy Caffey. <laughs> um, final game of this weekend: Crystal Palace versus Brighton and Hove Albion. The so A23 uh, I'll say weekend, but you know we mean game week because it's, it's yeah. that, that game's kicking off tomorrow. Um, our old Arsenal legend Patrick Vieira leading the charge. Um, I saw uh, pictures of Thierry Henry sitting in the stands uh, with a little Cal Sirius styling. He had the cap and the glasses and all of that. You know, he was looking, he was looking fly. If I don't mind saying so myself. He say what he styled himself on you, yeah. Hey, I, I'm just saying, man. That's 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 my style. That's all I'm saying, isn't it? Yeah, like, you know, okay. I've seen two two people rocking it now. All okay. I'm saying is, I did it first, did it? That's what I was saying. You sound like Ray J. I hear, I hear, I hear this first. That's what you're sounding like right now. <laughs> no shout out to the legend. If Thierry's doing it, then I'm copying Thierry, really. That's kind of what it is. So um, shout out to the big man, the king. Um, and, you know, there's two kings in town, isn't there? I'm sure he probably linked up with Patrick and, and had a drink or they had dinner or, or had at least a conversation. Um, hopefully, hopefully Patrick gets a win over Brighton, although we know that Brighton can play some really good football. It's not going to be an easy game for them to win. What do you think this, this fixture is uh, is going to be like? Well, if Brighton win, they go top of the league, two points clear, um, which I think is uh, an absolutely stunning achievement considering um, where they've been for the last few years. Um, we always talk about them maybe not having enough goals, but so far they've been finding the back of the net. Um I'm actually going. I'm going for Palace. Um, our last, our previous guest, Jason, who's on, he's going to be at the game. He can't wait. 
Um, I remember this has now become like a bit of a like a lively derby. Um, Do you know how much distance between the two teams? No, nah, there's not, but they really don't like each other, the fans. So this this is this has become like a big game, like a really really big game. And I think I'm gonna go two one to Palace. Um, I think if Edward starts, the guy from Celtic, I think he's gonna get something. And I'm really hoping that um, Gallagher. Um, the player on loan from Chelsea does something. He's in my fantasy team, but I do like him as a player. So, okay. Edward Gallagher, two one, two one Palace is my is my prediction. Two one. Okay. What do you think? I mean, you could be you you could be right there. I I didn't realize that Brian could go top of the league if they win. So that might actually be a, that little bit. Um, you know, just that extra little bit of motivation that they need to get them over the line. So I think we'll, I think we'll kind of have to see what happens there. Um, was just quickly looking up uh, how long it will take you to get from Crystal Palace to Brighton. It's a one-hour drive. It's not that yeah. long at all. Forty-six miles. So the, the the distance in miles is quite long, but being that they're you know both. You know, one's south London and the other one's just south of London. I say just south of London. It's literally on the south coast of London, but you know what it is. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, the thing what Vieira's done is he's he's really seemed to get his boys up in their fitness with the double training sessions he brought in. We talked about it on the last pod, didn't we? And um, this Gallagher, man, every time I've watched Palace, I've seen this Gallagher getting into some really good attacking positions. Like, even when he doesn't score or doesn't get the ball, he's there, you know? And I think that's one of those things where you can't really teach that. Like, you just kind of have that. You know, like Paul Scholes used to have that knack. Uh, Freddie Longberg used to have that knack of just being able to pop up in the box at the, in the right place at the right time. as something that people credit um, Mueller for uh, of Bayern Munich in Germany. Um, you know, some people just have that that awareness of space, mm. um, and he seems to have that. So, yeah, if they can get the ball into him, maybe he can get a goal. I do like the young boy uh, Edward as well. You know, it, yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna be, score goals, man. This might be a game where he finally gets a start uh, because we know, like Benteke, he does a lot of good work for the team, but he doesn't put the ball in the back of the net consistently. And uh, Edward's got a couple of goals already, so maybe if you give him a run, maybe he can get more goals. Yeah, um, I think so. You know what? They've got a decent squad. Once Eze's back, if you have a front line of Eze, Edward, and Zaha, Ooh. and having that. Gallagher, you got um Kayate as well. It's lost yeah, yeah, it's, de- it's it's decent. So I like what I like what um I like what they're looking to do there. Um, they've obviously reinforced the backline as well with the centre back that was at Fulham last year. Um, Mitchell's now become like the first choice left back as well. And like yeah, Tyree. yeah, yeah, shout Tyree. I think um. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I, I look out for Palace a bit more, obviously, because like my like my my boy is a, a fan of theirs. But yeah, I'm 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 liking the sign so far, and I think since they were beaten on the first game, I don't think they've lost since. Oh no, shame they lost last week. So yeah, um, game two to four they didn't lose, so they've got some points on the board. And yeah, I think they're definitely going to put at least one point on the board tomorrow. Hopefully three. Yeah, let's see. I mean, four wins out of five for Brighton. They ain't going to be. Easy. They ain't gonna be no pushovers. 
Maybe they haven't had the hardest fixtures. Uh, they lost to Everton, who might have been the hardest team they played, although they did play Leicester as well, to be fair, and they mm. beat Leicester 2-1. Um, but, yeah, yeah, let's see. There, there are some good players there at Brighton too. Um, you know, Lewis Duncan, the defence, not easy to get past that guy. Yeah, but um, Sue Murphy's fit. Mm, they him in the field, yeah. yeah. Trossard, Trossard. Trossard's got a trick on yeah, him. Yeah, I like mm. Trossard a lot. I and, think he's uh, a good player. I know you don't like Morpay, but that guy knows how to, to put the ball in the back of the net. It's not that I don't like... No, you know, actually, I don't. I remember why I don't like him. You literally really, called him a prick. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I did actually. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's, no, that's, that's, a, that's no. a classic play on podcast moment. Yeah, no, but I think he's he can still like chip in with some decent moments as well. So they're they're, they're a threat. They're definitely a threat. So, oh, but hopefully, hopefully it's the it's the Eagles that are flying high tomorrow. Someone else who is a threat. Uh, a story we uh we forgot to touch on earlier. Marcus Rashford. Now he's been out injured, so he hasn't taken part in. You know, the whole return home of the prodigal son, Cristiano Ronaldo. But I'm sure when he comes back, someone's going to end up on the bench because he's that good, isn't he? He's going to branch somebody. Um, But he's actually been honoured. I mean, I think he's getting the respect he deserves because he's doing a lot of work off the pitch. And he's been honoured now by, I want to say, society. I want to say... Education. Can we say he's been honoured by academia? Um, I think he's been acknowledged. So essentially, what they're saying is that um, he's going to be included in the GCSE Media Studies course for um, AQA, um, considering some of the outputs that he's done in social media. So obviously now, um, what media studies was for us when we were in school has kind of shifted with social media and content and creation. Um, and yet, exam board AQA, which I think take some of the exams at the school that I work at at the moment um, and now going to essentially add some of his content into their into their um, their scheme of work um, which is quite the which is quite the um, the accolade to be to to be part of the education of thousands and thousands of children so obviously he's a he's a he's a, he's a famous figure um, one that we know of very very well um, so, yes. That's a big deal, man. No, I mean, it's huge. If, if huge, I'm not huge. wrong, Pearson Edexcel would be the other major yeah. publisher in our country. Yeah. And they're actually a private organization. But yeah, I Pearson. do believe AQA is 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 government, isn't it? Um I'm not too sure, you know. I'm not allowed to you. It's an education charity that provides mm. GCCs and A levels and support. Okay. Um so it's like a non-profit, um, whereas the other company is privately owned. Um, so, I, yeah, I think it's fantastic. He's going to be in schools up and down the country mm. as, as a great example. I know someone who is a media teacher as well, and she thought it was absolutely fantastic that she's going to have to actually be teaching her students about Marcus Rashford and the way he uses his social media Um it's just as a kind of a positive role model for all of these other youngsters. Because remember, we need to fight the abuse, the abuse that he gets on social media and the way that he responds to it. This is a shining example to everybody out there using social media. That's the whole point of this. We need to fight all of this abuse. And this is a way to kind of, you know, put these issues 
right into the minds of young people that could potentially be abusers of tomorrow and then nip that problem right in the bud. And I rate that from AQA maximum respect to whoever is championing this there. Um, so great news about Marcus Rashford. Hopefully he'll be back on the pitch and we'll be talking about him putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, another story we could have talked about was uh, James Rodriguez. I can't even say his name properly. <laughs> James Rodriguez. James. James. Um, do you say that with a Spanish flip? James Rodriguez. <laughs> you know, I've been told that my accents aren't the best, so let me not uh, make myself look like even more of a donut. Okay, man. Okay, it's James Rodriguez, man. Okay? You gotta get it right, man. You can't crush. The news about James is it's a done deal. He's left the country. Now, this yeah. this deal kind of blew me because we was watching him at Everton last season and everyone was blown away thinking, like, it's the big man. He's come down from Real Madrid. He's going to show us something. And boy, did he show us something. He showed us some tech. Mm. Like, some lovely goals. He, he created some goals and then kind of died out. Mm. And, you know, and now we see and he's only 30 years old. And, he's and, a very good footballer. Like, on his day, he's a very, very good footballer. And I think... As soon as Carlo went, I kind of thought the writing was on the wall. Um, I, it's weird because if you remember back to Benitez's time at Chelsea, he had um, Hazard, Oscar and Mata. So Ancelotti's time at Chelsea? No, no, no. Rafa. Do you remember Benitez was at, um, was at Chelsea for... I, I don't um, know. Wow. Yeah, yeah he, was at, yeah, he was at Chelsea. I think like 2000. Yeah, he was. He came in after... Um, he came in after, was it after my man left? Yeah, he came in after um, oh, the guy who won the Di Matteo. After Di Matteo won in the Champions League, Rafa Benitez came in when they fell into the Europe to the Europa Europa League, and they actually went on to win the Europa League. So I think they had like Hazard, Oscar, Max. Oh, so he won the trophy for them. Yeah, he won the trophy for them. Oh. Yeah, that's what Rafa does. That Rafa wins trophies. Come on. Um, but what was really interesting is he had like those diminutive play, playmakers and he was able to put that all freedom in the team, got them balling out and doing really well. So having someone like Hammers there, I felt like Rafa could have could easily have got him playing well to a high standard, but actually he didn't really want to be there if Carlo Ancelotti wasn't there. So for them to get him off the books, all free up what they what, what they can kind of do in, in um the winter transfer window. And it just means they can just get someone else in who can help to bolster the squad. But yeah, it's it's sad to see him go because he's a very good player on his day. Very good player. It's interesting how how big of an effect a manager can have on a, a player's performance or even if they play at all, really. Mm. Um, and um, yeah, it's a shame to not have uh, Hammers in the Premier League anymore. He's gone off to Al Rayyan, which I believe is in the Saudi League. Mm. Um, and he's going to be coached by Laurent Blanc. So it's not like he doesn't still have a big coach. Excuse me, it's in Qatar. So it's not in Saudi, it's in Qatar. Um, I just thought that was so bizarre. But mm. there you go, 30 years old, he's gone. Yeah. Um, strange. Yeah. But strange but true. Um, another interesting story we have is this one about drinking yeah so the idea of um reviewing whether it's right to have 
alcoholic beverages um on the in the stands so people can actually like have a beer so if anyone who's been to a game you can buy a beer um you can drink it and then you when you go out to actually watch the game you don't have the beer with you i mean you're not allowed to bring the drink out while you're watching the game whereas this would allow people to buy beers and then sit down and watch the game whilst also drinking no uh, this, this is a huge potential change to culture to football culture like as someone who's been to, to a few football games i got to say when I first started going I just assumed you could take your beer in and I've tried mm. I've tried to just get my pint and walk in and the mm. stewards would be like no no we doing mm. we ain't been able to do that for about 20 years <laughs> mm. what you can't, I can't I can't go in on a drink really so you just kind of have to knock it down quickly get rid of it and then get back to your seat and I, and, uh, I think I've read in this article we've got here from Eurosport that you know that's kind of part of the reason why this change has been brought in mm. or is being looked at because it's kind of having a ban of having alcohol in the stands was a thing that was put in place to kind of uh you know to solve the problem of football hooliganism mm. but maybe what they didn't foresee was that it created a binge drinking culture because people yeah. are now knocking back the drinks as quickly as possible at half time and then going into the stands and maybe still being a bit rowdy and getting more drunk than it would be if they were just sipping their drink and taking the drink out into the stands so it, it's a bit of a u-turn really um what do you think good idea i, I think ideas like this come and go all the time so they'll be like oh we haven't done this or it hasn't come up for a while i think i like how it is now i think um I think it's all right for you to just go and just watch the game without a drink there. Like obviously you can bring like water and other drinks in. I know I've seen lots of people bring like hot chocolates and stuff like that. So I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not I it's weird, I don't really have a view on this. Like I'm not completely against the idea because I think it could be good, but at the same time I'm just like if they choose to keep things exactly as they are, I'm alright. Like I'm genuinely alright with it. I think I wouldn't mind being able to to get a pint at half time and then return to my seat. Okay. I wouldn't mind. But to be honest with you, I think it's a problem that doesn't need fixing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um so we've only got one or two more stories left to chop up. Um we've got this one about the red list. The Brazil red list and eight Premier League players being called up. So I'm not very uh, well versed in coronavirus red list countries, but I believe uh, again another article from Eurosport, an excellent football media outlet. Uh, I believe what they're kind of getting at here is that we're going to be sending a whole bunch of players to a country that you know our ordinary citizens can't travel to because it's on the red list. Yeah. Um, so what's gonna what's gonna be the potential implications of those actions? So yeah, essentially what they're saying is that um, there's three games taking place for these Brazilian national players, um, and they are Alisson, Fabinho from Liverpool, um, Manchester City have Edison and um, Gabriel Jesus, Chelsea have Thiago Silva, Man United have Fred, and then Leeds winger Rafinha alongside. Tottenham right back Emerson Royal are the eight players who have been called up for the next three games for Brazil. I'm glad um, none of our boys are going. 
Yeah, the issue with that though is just it means that if they were to go and they and the rules were enforced, then they would actually have to quarantine for a number of days, which then means that they can't play in subsequent fixtures um, for their team. And there's some big games coming up. I think there's a Manchester derby coming up um, amongst other games as well. So whether that affects whether um, the players go for these for, for these types of games. Um, yeah, and we we saw like a massive like hoo-ha when the players came back from the last international break. I suppose my thing is this: if there's if COVID is such a, a an issue um, for for elite level football, then there shouldn't be internationals. We shouldn't even be doing the Champions League. We should be just playing like domestic games to try to stop the spread of this. Um, but again, because of money, because of all of those kinds of things, some of those things are not going to stop. But it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't seem fair that. I can't go to Brazil or if I go to Brazil, I'm not, I'm not allowed to come back and just live my life normally. I have to abide by the laws, but elite professionals, elite athletes don't have to do that. So it's a bit hard to take. I just found an interesting uh, article on the gov.uk website about red list countries. I had no idea so many countries were mm. still on the red list. I thought it was a lot short now. But uh, it seems like there's going to be a lot of things that these players are going to have to do before they come back to England. They're going to have to um, fill out some forms and take some COVID tests and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, it's, it, it looks like an extra headache. But hopefully, if everyone just takes the COVID tests um, and they all pass the test, you know, they all come up negative, then shouldn't be that big of a deal, really. Mm. But yeah. if obviously, it's the potential to become positive and then end up having to maybe stay in Brazil and quarantine over there for two weeks and miss some, some Premier League games. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just glad none of our boys are going out there. Yeah, for real. Um, in other news, we have a story about Javi, the football mm. legend, possibly Going back to Barcelona. Um, yeah. Now, this is a story from the Mirror, so I, I'm going to kind of take this with a pinch of salt because it's not really one of my favourite uh, sources of information. But um, do you want to expand on this one a bit, Ash? Yeah, I just think that um, with the current scrutiny that's going on with um, Ronald Koeman and the poor start to the season, um, there was an initial article back in 2019 when he looked at Xavi becoming the manager of Barcelona. And I think what's happened is, is there's just been a bit more talk, and that, and with the probably the imminent departure of Ronald Koeman as he turns things on drastically, I think they have already started to identify potential successors, and I think at the top of that list is Xavi, um, provided that he wants to take it. So, um, yeah, I think I think culturally it'll be a great fit. Um, we've seen an ex-player go back there and create arguably the best footballing team. Um, that yeah that's what I'm saying so um, when you wrap that narrative up into it as well and you look at what's happened it could be the start of Barcelona's um, rebirth and the renaissance but we'll see if it happens at the moment it's, there's there's some real strong talk around the preparation that's being put in place for this to happen so it, yeah watch this space it's an exciting idea I mean Xavi mm. was part of what people were saying is the best football team ever yeah 
So you'd think that the man has an idea or two about how to play football and could be a, a great coach. But I don't know anything about his management style. Mm-hmm. Um, he's actually managing in the league that um, Hamas Rodrigo has, has just joined yeah. in, um, in Qatar. So, you know, I, I couldn't tell you anything about his record and if he's a good coach, if he's winning matches and whatnot. Um, you'd think maybe he is doing quite well over there and that's why there he's been tapped up. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, uh, because if it's just based on his name and his career as a player, that that could be a disaster waiting to happen. Facts. Facts. Uh, um, so I think maybe our last story that we could talk about today is the Golden Boy 2021 nominations. Mm. This this kind of stuff gets me excited, man, because we're talking about the stars of tomorrow. Um, it, it's a short list that is absolutely fantastic. It is littered with star-studded names some that premier league fans will know maybe some that that we won't maybe some will know from the from the champions league you know uh jude bellingham is in there from Borussia dortmund uh camavinga who's just joined real madrid i haven't seen yeah, him play for real madrid yet um, but i really wished arsenal could have signed him um he only went for about 35 mil and he's a quality player um already and still obviously really young that's why he's in this list um, and just just Joe Jamal Musiala from Bayern Munich. Mm. So many names. Greenwood from Man United. Yeah, I think what I like about this list is that you'll kind of see it here, um, and then like maybe in like two or three years you'll go through it and see where they're at now. Um, so even like Ryan Gravenberch, he's a great he's he's, he's a great player who's yeah like he's gonna do really really well. Um, obviously we've got that like William Saliba who's at Marseille at the moment, but. He's hopefully going to come back and be a, a huge pre, like pre, um, presence for us. It is really Three good just to kind of see. Yeah, 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 because you've got a Martinelli as well. So, um, yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, like I said, I think it's always good to see these things happen. And then it, you want to look at it and see where they're at in a few years' time. I think some of these players look absolutely outstanding already, like Drew Bellingham, um, Greenwood. Um, Doku as well, the guy who was mm. really came on and um, lit up um, parts of uh, Belgium's ultimately unsuccessful um, Euro 2020 campaign. But yeah, now so I'm he really did light it up. Yeah, hundred percent explosive. So I love I, I, I love seeing these lists. Um, so do you, you think do you think could win it? Looking at the names and just considering what they've done this season, Saka's actually got a decent shout. I think. I think. Graven Birch is a good shout as well, and Jude Bellingham. They're the three that I'd probably go for. They're the three that I'd go for. I think considering the the story and the narrative of Saka and what he done in the Euros and. I wouldn't be surprised if they were to hand it over to to Sakharov. One of those. I, I kind of want to go for Musiala because mm. yes, of him too. Him being too. so successful. Mm. Um, but um, but he's getting know, he's getting know more play now. He he didn't do too much yeah, last year. He's getting more play now. Whereas I think looking at that, I, I think. In terms of someone that's in, integral to their team, I would go with Bellingham because he's 
he's really playing week in week out and you know helping well, his team. Pedri Pedri might be a shout as well. So obviously he did really well in the Euros. Um, mm-hmm. Was a, was a star member for um, Spain. Pe- Pedri might be might be a shout as well. They, they didn't have the best tournament though. Did they? <laughs> He's Spain. They can't win yeah. the semis. It's not like they won it or anything. And then you know Barcelona hasn't been great. No, but I feel like for, I feel like for Spain to get to the semis, considering just like the state of like remember this isn't the, the the golden generation, and he played very very well. I think he was like very close to being in the team in the tournament. So yeah, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if he got it. Did but, he not win Young Player of the Tournament? I think he did as well. I think I think he may have. So again, if he's if he's winning the young player of the tournament at the at the Euros, then surely you're going to be in the running for the Golden Boy, right? Yeah, he was Pedro mm. in Euro 2020 young player. I think I think that's it. Yeah, I think he got it. Yeah, so I think I think it might be him actually. So yeah, I just saw him. So yeah, maybe it's, it's him. Maybe out of five names that we just spoke about, that's a really good shout. Um, right, well. Uh, unless you got anything else you want to talk about, Ash, I think that might be it for another episode of the Play On podcast. No, it was dope. It was really cool. Yeah, man, it, it was a nice little chit chat. Uh, hopefully, we'll have uh, our regular host back with us next week. Um, although you never know, we might have a, a couple of nappies in one hand uh, and a stroller in the other, and be a little bit too busy. <laughs> um, but still, shout out to Ben. Uh, mm. Shout out to all of the listeners. If you want to get us on social media, it's at podcast play on mm. um, across all of the most popular socials, apart from TikTok, because we just haven't quite convinced Ash to do, do some TikTok videos for us. <laughs> we're, we're too old for TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> we're too old for TikTok. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll get an intern in and get and get. Uh, yeah, some, yeah, some that's stuff. the energy. That's definitely the energy. <laughs> all right, well. Uh, I'm going to wish all you guys a happy day wherever you are happy morning happy afternoon happy evening Um, spread love take care of yourselves take care of your peoples and we'll catch you next time Peace. peace